0: Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Hope you're having a good weekend so far. I'm with you until seven this Saturday morning. After six, I'm in conversation. But first, it's the best of Steve Allen. My weekly roundup of some of the best bits from my early breakfast shows, starting with this. This is where everybody comes out to play in the morning. I know that because I've seen the spike. There's nothing, and of course, now we've got the Radio 2 listeners. Hello, hello, everywhere. My, there's a bit of a revolt going on on Radio 2, poor souls, honestly. They're trying to do their best to hang on to the uh, the people that they've got listening. Uh, but at the moment, because they've got rid of Brian Matthew. Brian Matthew is 88. They've said he's uh, he's stepping down on, on uh, ill Health. And he said, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> he said they've just made it up. Which, of course, is, is quite interesting. Why shouldn't he do? I, Brian Matthew, I've listened to for years and years and years. I mean, the other people overnight have got work elsewhere, so I don't know what they're, they're complaining about. One was called Janice Long. That's Keith Chegwin's sister. Um, I know. I have to remember who Keith Chegwin is, of course. And, um, and the other one was... I can't remember. Uh, but I think he, he's on BBC Radio Kent at the moment, doing one show a week, so he's obviously reached the dizzy heights of BBC Local Radio, which we love. We love BBC... His name is Alex Lester. Apparently, even on Radio 2 at the age of the years, he calls himself the Dark Lord or something. Not anymore, dear. Not anymore. He's got some little phone-in show on a, on a Sunday evening. But then people are always changing things, aren't they? And the reason that Radio 2 gave, and I don't give any prominence to anything on the BBC, because I work for the commercial radio side, which is, uh, which is far more entertaining. At least you can have an opinion. On the BBC, you can't have an opinion. <coughs> opinion. Uh, did you know about Jimmy Seville? did <coughs> Jimmy Saville at all. Knew nothing about what was going on there. Really? Why was he banned from Children in Need? Was he? I have no idea about that one. They don't seem to know anything that's going on at the BBC. I tell you, there could be a drugs haven going on down there. You wouldn't know because they don't know. It could be all sorts of things. You know, the people blowing up balloons in the newsroom. Well, they have no idea. Never saw anything at all. And, um, and so they decided to axe the overnight programmes, the live programmes. Not that it made any difference when you were listening. They could have been dead anyway. Uh, because there was no audience. You know why? Commercial radio takes it. And one commercial radio in particular. Hello. It's us. We take the audience from them. And so uh, they just don't do very well. They just don't do very well. So they decided to save money. How much money you're saving on that? kind What would they be on? I'm trying to think. Two overnight presenters, 60 grand each, something like that. That would be a conservative estimate. Uh, 60, I don't know how many shows they, they did a week. Um, I think there they get paid per show rate, same as most places. They never give you, very rarely do you make a presenter staff. I only know of two staff presenters in this building. Two staff presenters, which means that if you've been there for twenty-five years, if they decide to get rid of you, you get some money. If you're if you're a freelance presenter, you're a contract, and your contract rolls from year to year to year to year, so it so it goes on. Which I quite like actually. I mean it does mean that you have to up the ante. It does mean that you can't afford to be lax, a little bit like the overnight people on Radio 2, because if they were any good and this this applies to every radio station, if you were any good, you'd get an audience. The moment you don't get an audience is the moment they go, listen, we we, we can't keep you anymore because, you know, we want somebody to try and get an audience. So they're always trying to reinvent the wheel. And that's why people listen to LBC. I mean, I listened to a 20 minute rant on James O'Brien's programme the other day with a caller who was trying to twist him in knots. And it was quite interesting. It was quite interesting because at one point I thought James is losing. And then I thought, nope, he's winning again. And then he was losing. And he kept this bloke on for 20 minutes. I mean, he was obviously a self-centred sort of person who liked hearing the sound of his own voice. Very unlikely in this business. And um, and then, sort of, it was, it was entertaining. I think they, sort of, agreed to disagree at the end of it. Uh, with, sort of, James getting little digs in, which I thought worked beautifully. It was lovely. Uh, Adam, still in Andover, poor soul. He says, I think the whole BBC is a waste of money. Well, I don't think it's a waste of money. No, sometimes they turn out some really good things. About time they scrapped the licence fee. Uh, well, I think the only reason they should scrap the licence fee is if they're going to take advertising on board and sponsorship and stuff like that. I don't see why we should have to pay for something. And also, to pay for things that don't get an audience, why should we pay for it? Why should we pay for it? The BBC always say, oh, we're actually... I mean, you know, to be honest with you, to be brutally honest, to axe two people from overnight from Radio 2 isn't going to save the organisation diddly-squat. It's just a piddling amount of money. They waste more than that on outside broadcasts. You know, you go and see an outside broadcast, like, for example, the Chelsea Flower Show. You see how many vehicles the BBC have got down there. You know, literally, there'll be 20 trucks lined up. Commercial radio turn up with a radio reporter and a microphone. Exactly the same coverage as the wasteful BBC. They do waste money because they've always been allowed to do it. They go... And the amount of people. You have a look at the people in the control rooms. I told you I went years ago down to see a friend of mine who worked for a national radio station down there. And there were no fewer than eight people in the control room on a music programme. Eight people. I've never seen anything like it. What a waste of money. What a waste of money. Steve Allen on LBC. Vera Lynn is releasing an album. She's over 100. And so this will be an album, the first album she's had out in, uh, in a long time. I think she's the first Centarian To actually release an album. I'm not sure whether or not I'd be buying it or not. I'm not sure whether or not the voice would still be there. I'm probably thinking not. But I've got an album at home by Barbara Cartland. Barbara Cartland released this album years ago of, uh, of love songs. And she couldn't sing for Toffee. But it didn't stop her recording, I think, with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. And uh, I've got that album at home. (laughs) It's probably worth... Actually, if I'd kept all the albums at home years ago that were part of my childhood, I'd be worth a fortune. The Rolling Stones' Sticky Fingers album had a zip on the front of it. And I had that one. I should have kept that. I should have kept... I mean, all the albums that went on to be classic albums now, I was around when they first came out. If I'd kept them in perfect condition, I'd be sitting on a fortune an absolute fortune. I had Beatles albums, I had Beatles box sets, I had everything. And because they were records to be played, you played them and then you just, you know, I don't know what what happened to them. I gave them away, I think, in a lot of cases. Um, Talking of giving things away, Blue Peter was very famous years ago as a children's television programme, it's kind of, I don't think anybody bothers with Blue Peter anymore now, which is a shame, I, don't, if I, I couldn't even tell you if it's actually on the television, I couldn't tell you, but um, they used to bury time capsules, this one was buried in 1998, and it had a video of country walks, it had um, a cub scarf and a woggle, uh, a France 98 football, an insulin pen, it had an insulin, how interesting... How interesting. An insulin pen. A toy car, Roald Dahl treasury book, Spice Girl CD, an aspirin haler and a set of British coins. And they buried it. That's what they did with these capsules. And the idea was that you dig them up, you know, in the future. And in this particular case, it was dug up by builders uh, 33 years early. And they smashed it to pieces. I mean, did they not recognise the Blue Peter symbol on the outside? Richard Bacon and Katie Hill buried mementos. The uh, container was put 15 feet under the Millennium Dome, now the O2, and should have stayed there until 2050, but workers laying cables unearthed it on Tuesday. They cracked it open and found items, including the ones that I've mentioned. The boys thought they'd struck gold. They were going at it with anything they could find. Hammers, shovels, the lot. At one point, a bloke in a forklift squished it with the machine's teeth. And the capsule was... T- oh, what are these stupids? What are these... Oh, no, they said a very rude word then. Are they really stupid people? do they recognise what Blue Peter is? The answer is, of course they don't. Because they wouldn't have been British workers who would have known what Blue Peter was. If you're a Polish worker or Romanian, why would you know what Blue Peter was? You'd just be looking at it going, look what we found here. Open it, what's in it? An insulin pen, a toy car, you know, a Blue Peter badge. But uh, anyway, they then sort of, uh, the importance was then realised, obviously somebody who was British went, I think that's the Blue Peter time capsule. And they went, oh, don't mean anything to anybody? Does it really? And so they, um, so they saved it. So they saved it. It's amazing, actually, part of history. Um, but yeah, but to deliberately wreck it, I think is is almost a bit sick. Oh look, Caprice wearing bra and pants again. She's getting a bit old for this sort of thing, isn't she? I mean, she's forty five, and uh, I wonder why she'd gone on the jump. It was obviously to launch her sort of her underwear collection. They always put Caprice down as a model. Not the brightest penny in the box, it has to be said. I wasn't even sure she lived here anymore. I thought she lived out of the country. I was, I was pretty... Cons- um, I'm sure... She went out with people. Do you remember She did a, a come-dine with me. And everybody was terribly impressed by her house. Because in the basement, she pushed a button and the floor were, rolled back to reveal a swimming pool with a swing over it, which I always thought was quite flash, actually. I always fancied something like that. And it turns out it wasn't her house at all. Obviously, Caprice hasn't made diddly squat out of flogging a few bras and pants sets. And um, and it was her boyfriend's house, so not living there anymore. Where does she live now? Does she is she out? I thought she was out of this country. I don't know why. I didn't realise that Richard Bacon was out of this country. Apparently, Notting Hill. Oh right. Well, there you go, Notting Hill. But because they've already started started. Pardon me, filming the jump. How far they are through it, I've got no idea. But uh, I'm not remotely interested in seeing the jump. I really. I couldn't be less interested about a programme unless they did it stark naked. And even then I'd be thinking, oh dear, Jedward. Because Jedward the other night, creepy old Jedward, and by God, it's getting a little bit creepy, were washing each other down in the bath together. It's not... I mean, is this what twins do? I mean, I only asked... I had to go and ask uh, our, our twin outside whether or not he'd ever had a bath with... I mean, bear in mind, Jedward are 25. They're not five-year-olds, they're 25. And... um and they have baths together, and in this particular one in the Big Brother house, they put on Bianca Gascoigne's um, knickers, uh, like a like a g-string kind of thing, slightly disturbing, and uh, and then washed each other down with soap. Does that mean is that somewhat odd? I mean, we we know they are peculiar, but by God, that's taken a bit too far. So anyway, you know, I asked around, and it turns out it's not normal behaviour. And uh, Kevin says, I kept all my records from my youth, nearly all obscure punk and new wave. I look in the back pages of Record Collector, which is uh, a magazine and some are worth a fortune. Some are worth money as they have a band member who went on to become famous, like Kevin Rowland, who was in the Killjoys before Dexys. Even my band's first single sells for over 50 quid on eBay. Shame I joined the band after that was made. And I don't have a copy. He said, but I've still got my old fanzines as well as the likes of uh, Sniffin' Glue, Anticlimax, and a rare number two edition of I.D. when it was a fanzine. Yeah, my my brother likes stuff like that. He likes those sort of. uh, In fact, my my brother's got a copy of My Bonnie, which was the Beatles with Tony Sheridan, who I think was the one before Ringo Starr. Uh, Was he young before Ringo Starr? He was a singer, was he? Oh, that's right. Pete Best was the, was the drummer. It's interesting, isn't it? When you look back, when I look back at the Beatles stuff, and if you listen to the Beatles record, do you know it stands up as well today, stupid thing to say, I realise, as it did when it first came out, when we used to stack up eight records on our record players and play the Beatles songs one after the other. Till the last one, you to take the stack so high, the needle couldn't get on it. But uh, that was the only way. And, you know, you play the A side and the B sides, and you really got into your records. But hardly anybody kept them in mint condition. That's why mint conditions are worth money. It's like trying to find the full set of Beatles autographs. You might have them, but did you see them sign them? Because that was the problem. They had auto pen at Apple, which was the automatic... I think it was a Japanese invention, where they did the first signature and then the pen just copied it in ink. So it looked exactly the same, but they learnt how to do each other's signature. John could sign for Paul, Paul could sign for Ringo and, and all the rest of it. So it went on. So to actually have a full set of, uh, of Beatles signatures is actually on one page. That's, that's what separates them. But one time, I think they were going for about seven grand. All the Beatles signatures on one page. And the one thing you don't want is them personalised. You know, to Pete, to Dominic, to whoever it is. You've got to have them all all sort of separately. That's why whenever people go out to the theatre and they're sort of standing by the stage door to wait for the artist and the, and the person comes out and goes, who do you want it signed to? They go, oh, no, just, just sign it. Because they're going to sell it. That's what they do nowadays. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Here's the picture of the darts aced And uh, luckily he's got a shaved head And uh, he can hit any number on the this, is, this has got This Morning written all over it This has absolutely got This Morning written all over it Mason Folks, Mason You know, that's, that's a good Good name uh, He watched world champion Michael Van Gerwen Is it on TV? From the age of two and was hooked Wow, so here we go Some sharp things Sharp! Thing. I I throw darts backwards. Have you seen anything like that before? I throw darts backwards. Not backwards. What I do is I rest the dart on my fingers, with the with the uh, the spike pointing into my hand, and I can flick my hand up and hit the dartboard every time. See, but you don't know anybody who can do that, do you? Really. I can also go underwater and holding my nose. It's very popular, too. They don't do much of that, but in the bath, you know, it's fairly popular. Not that I'm sharing a bath with anybody. I'm not Jedwood or anything like that, you know. Don't do things like that. Anyway, this uh, lad, he's three foot tall. Uh, he practises for hours in his bedroom. Shouldn't he be out playing? You know, he's, he's practising with darts in the bedroom, just see an accident happening. But uh, his father's called Lee. He comes from Stockport. He's a keen player. He said, in a couple of uh, years, he'll be better than me. Robbie Green got in contact to say he's got everything. Just keep him on it. He's four years old. He's four years old. I mean, come on. You know, at what age will he be playing? I mean, he's got so many years ahead of him. It's, it's, it's goodness. But he's got this morning written there. You can just see Holly's going to be... Oh, isn't he cute? Can you hit the number 13? No. OK. Should we try seven? Try seven. No. Um... The bolt. They might have to pre-record him actually, just to make sure he can actually hit the dartboard. It'd be awful, really, if they all start. Going, you can't do it, can you? Uh, <laughs> my daddy said I could do it. Well, you're well, can't. <laughs> I think they might have to pre-record that bit. It'd be nice if they go. Can you get double tops? I don't even know. Has he got nick? No, he doesn't have a nickname. <laughs> no, I don't. Do they have? They have to have nicknames, don't they, in the darts world? What could they call him here? His name's Mason. Masonic or something? I don't know. Supersonic. Supersonic, something, I don't know. What sort of, why do they have nicknames? In darts? What's the purpose of having a nickname? Do they they all have nicknames? Oh, right. Do snooker players have nicknames as well? Oh, that's right, they've got Rocket Ronnie. Have you noticed, every time you see him being interviewed, he sounds a a bit like that, actually, half the time. Not so exciting. Paul says, you wanted to put a lot of people in prison today. Can I say you or I couldn't afford the taxes to do it? Of course we can. We've got loads, actually got loads of money for building prisons. Perhaps we could just have a prison for um, sort of four-year-olds who play darts. I think, you know, put the parents in there immediately, because quite clearly these are a subculture. You don't let four-year-olds play with something that's got a point on it. Are you mad? Listen, you know, let them go out and scuff their £300 shoes, but heaven's above, a four-year-old playing darts, and he can hit any number. Yeah, of course he can. Go on, put him on the television. He'll be on, I'll tell you what, I'll bet you anything. Here goes the Steve Allen prediction for this morning. That'll be this morning's guest, the four-year-old. They'll set up a dartboard because it's a cheap item to do. Bring the kid down and um, and get him to throw numbers on the dart. Do- okay, should we do the number forty-three? Yes. Yeah. David, not you, dear. Uh, throw the dart. Oh, Missed that one. You know, you could just see it. They had a woman on there <laughs> about a year ago. I think she had a talking parrot. What did it say on this morning? Nothing. Nothing. Not a word. Come on, pretty Polly, you talk to the people here. Talk to Holly. at Nothing. Not a word. The bird just sat there thinking, I don't talk, I'm a parrot. You know, and that's what I think we'll be on this morning. I think that the executive producer, Martin, will be going, get that four-year-old kid down here. Sorry, we'll, 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 we'll pay, pay for a train ticket. Get down here. We'll put you up in a hotel or something like that or send you out for lunch. And uh, we'll just get a dart board and some darts. Watch the blood fly as the four-year-old is like throwing... Go, duck, duck! so uh, definitely put it definitely putting people in in prison big fan of somebody says perhaps they should get the parrot back to announce the dart scores for mason on this morning no score no commentary thank you uh that's from tony i think i think definitely if uh, martin frizzell is listening that kid is destined to be on this morning he can throw any number on the dartboard oh i so hope he can I so hope he can. I would hate to... They'd have to get him down early, get him practising. OK, can you get near the middle of the dartboard? Yeah. Um, Holly's leg is good, but not as good as the middle of the dartboard. Let's, t- let's try for that one, shall we? Steve Allen on LBC. Kevin, the milkman, says, uh, Sam's told me what she wants for Valentine's Day. You've guessed it. Another tattoo. It, they do become addictive, don't they, tattoos? They are those those sort of things, those sort of inkings that people... People sort of have a few and then they have a few more and then they want more of them. I've, always, I've thought about it. I mean, I seriously have thought about it I mean, in a jokey kind of way. It would be ridiculous. If I walked in here with a tattoo, I think people would positively laugh. They'd be going, well, I wouldn't have anything. I mean, I, I just I wouldn't have a tattoo full stop. But if I no, even if I thought about it, there's nothing I could think of, you know, in way of a, an inking. I I'd just I'd, I'd look ridiculous. Seriously, people have been looking at me going, Are you serious? An old man of your age with a tattoo? It would just look ridiculous. And also, where would you have it? Do you have it at the top of your shoulder? Do you have it, you know, on your leg? You know, it could, could be. Re- no, What's the, why would you want to put yourself through the pain of a tattoo? The, the, I mean, somebody's putting a needle. <laughs> In, I mean I do needles every day and believe you me that hurts just sometimes on the one if you if you get the wrong bit of your body you get that hurts uh so the idea of actually putting and also ink you know why do I want it i can, you know i thought perhaps i'd have sort of you know love on one hand and then hate on the other cut here around my neck you know of course not i wouldn't have anything like that bunch of flowers or something i don't know I can't think of anything that would really interest me. But I think that if you, like, like David Beckham, I think if you're into inkings, then you, then you become addicted. And once you become addicted, you can have as, as many as you want. I mean, I don't think there's much room on David Beckham's body, is there really? He's got loads of them, which is great, you know, because he thinks he's sort of young and trendy. When he's sort of a 70-year-old man, he's going be, to be looking a bit daft, it has to be said, and by that time... They'll, they'll start looking a little bit uh, awful. Steve Allen on LBC. The Tiger Death Man. Remember we talked about him? He, um, he climbed into the pen. Well, I think he might have fallen into the pen. Um, he was trying to avoid paying the £15 entrance fee to this park in China, to the zoo. Uh, they're just calling him Mr Zhang and he tried to sneak into the zoo. The, the dad had paid for the rest of the family, but he couldn't afford a ticket for himself, so he climbed three fences, crossed a stream, and tried to sneak in through the tiger's enclosure. A relative of Mr Zhang claimed the wildlife facility was to blame for his death, saying, it's the zoo's fault. The zoo offers a chance to climb the wall. No, they don't. Don't be so stupid. It's there to stop people climbing the wall. That's the whole idea, you person. Um, you know, he was just trying to avoid doing it. So he so he literally crossed all these walls and everything else. If the wall was high enough, or if the zoos had adopted effective measures, he wouldn't have been able to climb it. He was avoiding payment, you stupid woman. And he fell into the lion's enclosure, or the tigers, and they ate him. I mean, you can't blame the tigers, can you? You just have to sort of go, that's what... They, they probably thought food was being delivered. They don't know what it is. Whether it's alive or dead meat that's brought in, it's just, it's moving and it's there. And of course, if you move... ...in front of these things, they will pounce. And just remember, if you've ever been to a zoo... ...and you've seen a lion or a tiger, they're bloody big. Their paws are the size of dinner plates. And that's without the claws extended. Once the claws can, These things can cling onto the back of water buffalo. You don't think Mr Zhang's going to pose any problems for them. They couldn't wait to eat him. They ripped his shirt off. They got the flesh underneath and they started eating him. At what point the poor soul died, I can't imagine. That uh, one of the three tigers was shot dead causing outrage amongst animal lovers in China who blamed the victim and the zoo for the tragedy. well absolutely if he hadn't climbed in to avoid uh, paying then um, these uh, tigers would still be alive. It's not their fault you can't blame tigers. what are they supposed to do about it? they sort of sit there going um, what time do we get fed what time do we get fed today one o'clock oh it's arrived early oh it's interesting as he falls in so Mr. Zhang I mean I shouldn't imagine it was a particularly tasty meal but you know obviously not up to their usual standards. But somebody says, I, I saw the tiger mauling the person whose face was covered in blood. What, what, he's with three tigers, for God's sake. These, these aren't little ants or something like that, which could probably equally do some damage. But, you know, these are three tigers. Every time he sat up, the tiger pushed him down again. Of course, of course they did. Have you seen them on the David Attenborough programs? You get the little sort of, you know, fawns and, and little sort of wildebeest and stuff like that. And they try and sit up and the tiger just go back down again. Until it decides it's ready to eat it, and that was that was in this case. I mean, horrendous, absolutely horrendous. But it's nothing to do with the zoo. It's to do with this man. You know, now he's left a widow and three children, all because he he paid for them to go in, but he didn't pay for himself. He thought he'd be clever. Unfortunately, clever never works, does it? Steve Allen on LBC. We've got the best picture of the day. David Beckham He's had a few sherbets. We did actually speculate some time ago that we didn't think David Beckham actually drank alcohol. Um, and so there's a picture of him holding the, dory, uh, dory, holding the door open of a car for Poppy Delavine and her sister Cara was there. They were in a, a nightclub. No sign of Victoria. Slightly disturbing there. I mean, what, what David Beckham has got in common with Poppy and Cara De Vine and Rita Ora and people, are, I've got no idea had a milkshake today lovely okay what what what, what flavor butterscotch all right did you make that victoria made it for me you know but then she wasn't there at this sort of doom slightly disturbed that they're allowing him out to mix with normal human beings that's what but he does look the worse for wear so i'm only assuming somebody must have put something in his milkshake and it affects him because he definitely looks bleary-eyed but then he was caught at the airport because he's obviously flying back to this country. That's all they do, that family. They just, they just turn up at... And I'm sure they just sit at LAX airport. They go in, into the toilet, cha- change their clothes, come out and go, I'm going on a flight now. And you go, oh, right, where are you going? don't know. OK, right. London? don't know. Do you think Victoria would be there? hope not. <laughs> but she, she certainly wasn't there at the drink stew the other night because you know what she's like. She's really bad on the drink. She has to be helped out by her son, who was over here eating a giant baguette. Because his parents weren't with him. Wow, he's really, ra- he's really, so he's racing away, isn't he? 17 years old, for goodness sake. Leading Britain's Conversation, LBC, with Steve Allen. Skipping your morning breakfast could kill you. Just so like I'd warn you that. Now you can get diabetes, you get all sorts of things. It's supposed to be the best meal of the day breakfast. If you skip it, you're, you're not doing yourself any favours. If you're one of those people who sits on the train eating it, there was a woman the other day, she gets on the train, she's got the folding bicycle... I always thought, if you get on the train in the morning, I might be wrong on this one, it's got to be a folding bicycle. You can't take a full bicycle on. Well, these people flout the law every every minute of the day. During the rush hour, they've got full bicycles on. I kick them off, or failing that, whilst they're not looking, just let the tyres down. That's what I'd be inclined to do. You have to fight your way around bicycles now, selfish people. Folding bikes, I can understand, it takes up less room. But when somebody's trying to get a whole bike on there, it's like, I'm sorry, I don't want to be surrounded by bicycles. Very selfish people, very selfish. Anyway, and then so she, she parks her little <coughs> bicycle there and then gets a Tupperware box and proceeds to start eating muesli on the train. What a peasant! Milk and everything in there. I mean, I've never seen anything so. Who are these people? Are they the same people who do that? She didn't look like she bothered with makeup either, so at least we didn't get the makeup girls who sit there and drag out this entire suitcase and end up putting the makeup on. Presumably, based on the assumption that they think that we look at them and go, "Oh, what a plain person," and then two minutes later, "Oh, but my God, you're gorgeous," because they never are. They seriously... I mean, I'm surprised they don't start brushing their hair and on the train and all the rest of it. But they sit there, troweling their makeup on. You feel like saying to them, "Why are you putting your makeup on, darling? Why don't you do it at home, peasant?" But eating. Eating this stuff with milk and everything in a a little Tupperware box. And I'm thinking, why don't you just stay? Why don't you get up earlier, darling? Because you bet your bottom dollar if she didn't have time for breakfast at home, she's not had a shower. You know, you know that because she's just got up. She's left at the last minute, thrown some sweaty old clothes on, climbed onto the train. But she's got a bicycle because if you ride a bicycle, you sweat. You know that, you know, there's nobody who does not ride a bicycle who does not sweat, especially the people in the lycra. The people who sort of, yeah, sweaty, sweaty, sweaty. So you don't want them standing next to you on the train because you have to get, excuse me, I'm wearing very expensive aftershave. I want people to enjoy it and not enjoy your sweat. Thank you very much indeed. Well, people who take smelly foods on or even, they, they, well, they should be hanged. They should be hanged. I mean, I don't understand. I mean, I've seen people sitting on the bus eating curry before now. I mean, seriously. And so people sit there eating stuff. It's re- you feel like saying to them, excuse me, it's a trait. it's like people on their phones. Who are they talking to at seven in the morning? Who do you need to talk to at seven in the morning? Nobody. Nobody. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. It's February. We're racing through, but the good news is this is a short month. This is only 28 days. So uh, that's nice. We get ever nearer Christmas, ever nearer Easter. Ever near Storm Doris, which apparently is coming in this evening, and ever near Valentine's Day, which is, frankly, for many people, a dreadful waste of money. But if you don't buy something for the person you're with, you're going to kind of get it in the neck, aren't you? You are expected to buy something. No excuses like, I completely forgot. Because you can call into any garage and pick up a ginster's pasty. You know, which is an acceptable gift for anybody nowadays. You know, if you don't want chocolates, have a Ginster's pasty. And sometimes they're warm or, a you know, a cup of a special offer on some crisps or something like that. Why does it have to be chocolates? Why does it have to be flowers? Is it because we think that flowers are romantic? Well, you know, people might get hay fever or something like that. So, you know, flowers are not necessarily the best thing to get. I mean, why can you not give somebody, you know, um, a wood carving set or something or a set of jump leads? You know, a far more acceptable present, as far as I'm concerned, or a bicycle, yeah. But that's a basic way of saying you're you're too overweight, you need to cycle more. Actually, I keep seeing more bicycles on the trains now. Not folding up bicycles either. But I don't think the guards have got enough time to start getting these people off the train and sort of saying, listen, you've got to have a folding up bicycle. With Valentine's Day around the corner, I'm going to have to veer in favour of a couple of supermarkets. And the reason I'm going to do it is because the one thing that we think is romantic are red roses. And I don't know why we think red roses. Because I think pink roses, Marks and Spencers and other supermarkets are available, do roses in every colour. Oranges, yellows, pinks, whites, white tinged with red, white tinged with pink, some tinged with glitter. How you grow those ones, I've got no idea. But anyway, they've got all sorts of different roses. But Valentine's Day, they're looking for the best value. So, for example, if you go to Tesco, £20 gets you 12 roses. They're quite nice, you know, nice roses. Go to Morrison's, 12 roses will cost you £5. If you go to Sainsbury's, 12 roses will cost you £6.50. OK, so it's looking promising. The Tesco ones at 20 quid look very nice indeed, but you can get 12 roses from Morrison's for a fiver, um, if you go to Interflora, you can send 100 roses for £650. You'd have to be mad. Because if you go to Lidl, they're doing 100 roses for £25. And you look at the size of the bouquet that they've got in the papers today. And you go, well, I'm going to Lidl or Aldi. Because they're doing 100 roses for for twenty-five pounds. Why would you want to spend six hundred and fifty quid with interflora? I mean, I understand, you know, the cost of sending roses and things like that. But to be honest with you, a hundred roses from Aldi, they're not gonna know where they come from. They're not. What you do is you take off anything that's got Aldi or Lidl written on it, and you get some you go to paper chase or something like that, you get some tissue paper, you wrap it round, you go and buy a piece of ribbon, okay. And you wrap it round there with a bow, and they think they'll have cost fifty to a hundred pounds. That's what I would think. they'd cost. I'm looking at these these Aldi roses. They look lovely. A hundred for twenty-five quid. I might just go and buy two hundred roses and just stick them on my desk and go and just put a label on, going to Steve from an admirer. And then people would be going, "Who bought you those, Steve?" I go, "I don't know, just an admirer." Because it's cheap enough to do it yourself, isn't it? Or failing that, I could sit on the train surrounded by ten bouquets. Of these, and people go, "You're very popular." Go, apparently so. Can you imagine twenty-five quid? There'd be there'd be husbands everywhere going, "Really? I mean, seriously? This is like a hundred roses for twenty-five quid." James O'Brien, would do. It. He'd go for this straight away. He wouldn't. He wouldn't be spending any money anytime soon. He's only just paid off the last thing on the last suit, you know, which he had. He had that, that on on special HP agreements. But a uh, hundred roses. I mean. Into flora, I'm sure, are lovely and charming and all the rest of it. But 100 roses, £650. I'm sorry. I'm going to be going for the 25. In fact, today, I'm going to make it a special mission. Because by the time we get to tomorrow, there's going to be 100 roses sitting on my desk. OK? Just to really annoy everybody. They'll be going, where did Steve get those from? And I'm just going to put a label on. Steve, love your show, question mark. Something like that. I might get 300 roses. I don't know. It's worth it for 75 quid, isn't it? I mean, to be honest with you, it could be the most fun I've had. Oh, wait a minute. I've just realised I'm talking about it on air. People will be hearing this and they'll be ruining it and telling other people. And uh, Steve says, Jane, I was once sent by a boyfriend 12 red roses from Moyes and Stevens. I don't... Um, am I supposed to know that is? I'm, a bit, I'm sorry. I'm a bit nonplussed by that one. Are they very expensive roses? I know you can actually get you know really really expensive roses this is after we told you that for valentine's day don't bother spending a lot uh they, oh blimey they're nice aren't they is this this is uh, moises stevens they do wow how much are they i mean how much god oh, dear look at these i mean these are these are obviously top of their range i mean this isn't the hundred roses how much is that one there blush rose a stunning handmade flower regimen it's only 80 quid that's gorgeous, isn't it? I mean, for 80 quid... I mean, blimey, you're very lucky. Can we have a price on roses, please? Can we have a price on roses for the... Uh... Oh, these are beautiful bouquets, aren't they? English Rose, a bouquet full of uh, David Austin roses, which is very nice. Ten Ten, uh, three uh, something else, and then something else as well. They're lovely bouquets, they do. See, 80 quid seems quite uh, quite good value. I'm definitely going to buy some of these roses. 100 for £25. I'm definitely going to. They look delicious. They've got an 80 pound English rose bouquet here hand tied look gorgeous I mean really see, funnily enough funnily enough even though it's Valentine's Day coming up and I'm really quite anti-Valentine's Day because I don't like to see people cheated but these look I mean for 80 quid I think that looks really good value I would expect a a top shop you know to charge 150 for that I would think that could be worth 100, 150 pounds beautiful for 80 they also do champagne which is quite nice but you know I, I would never buy champagne from a from a flower shop. Oh, the English rose. Oh, it's gone up now. It's one hundred and twelve pounds. Oh, that's a large one. Okay. See, I think I think that's worth it. I think that's worth it. So you did very well to get the uh, to get the um, the flowers for that one. They do beautiful. They do sunflowers. Sunny days. It's called very pretty. Seventy quid. It's getting cheaper now. Oh, look, roses there. Red roses. A classic Valentine bouquet. Oh my God. One hundred and thirty-five quid. That's twelve red. Naomi, seven purple Amy. I don't know what half this stuff is, but it looks lovely, very, very pretty, very pretty, well there you go, I mean that's, that's, uh, that, that would actually say <laughs> we're not going out tonight, that, that's 230 for the classic large valentine, but it's beautiful though isn't it, I mean that really is lovely, I still think my, my hundred from, from Aldi and from Lidl can give them a run for their money, but these, these are beautiful bouquets, beautiful, very nice, so uh, well done you Jane, don't you had to put out for that. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Somebody... <laughs> Steve. I got sent some roses by my ex wife a few years ago. She'd eaten all the best ones, though. <laughs> I don't think ex wife should ever send roses, but that's what, and also don't buy chocolates, Cho- you know, heart shaped chocolates. It's a bit naff, isn't it? But I think, as I say, getting a bouquet. From, uh, from Aldi or Morrison's or whoever it happens to come from and then wrapping it yourself in sort of paper that goes with it is going is to make it look... That's what, you know, that's what you're supposed to do nowadays. You have to, you have to try and change the look of something. So if you go and buy something from M&S, ladies, a suit, change the buttons. You know, if it's got black buttons on, change them. You can go to, you know, button shops. They're all over the place. I think even John Lewis has got a button department. Get some nice flashy buttons, put them on there and immediately it changes from a Marks and Spencer suit to your suit. I learned that some years ago from a, from a fashion designer who said, just do that, change little bits and pieces about it, and sort of mix and match with things. But you can never have enough little black suits. Oh, and there's also a dating app for apes. You can sort of pick out, you know, the one that you like if you're seeking a pry mate. Steve Allen on LBC. Do you know, they, they, they have a name now for Prince Harry. He's now the Prince of Hearts. What a load of old Codswallop. I mean, really... Talk about the redefining of the royal family. So his mother was the Princess of Hearts, or the Queen of Hearts, and now he's the Prince of Hearts. Do me a favour. Anyway, good news is, he's, he's back with the old, all right, uh, the old Meghan, she's back in the old country again. Of course, he doesn't fly to see her. She has to waste her money coming to see him, unless he's managed to arrange free flights for her. And uh, they went out the other night, they went to Soho House, and so there's a few, few pictures in the papers. They both look as miserable as sin. Ha <laughs> ha! I mean, you would have thought, actually, you know, why don't they just stay at Kensington Palace? You know, that's the best thing. You don't need to go out unless you're an attention-seeking person. But if she's an actress, presumably she likes the publicity, but they both look miserable. He's wearing his typical little woolly hat. hope he didn't wear it during dinner. And as usual, he's kind of dressed down for it because he is possibly one of the worst-dressed members of the royal family. At least William wears suits. Harry just sort of slobs around in sort of corduroys and things like that. But uh, they went to Soho House, they go, a private members club. I know loads of members of Soho House, Believe me. Uh, And hospital and places like that. But uh, they leave ever out on the town, but can't they smile? Are they supposed to be happy? She's probably going, I'm not spending any more money flying in to see you. Either we're going to get married and you're going to put a ring on this finger. Or it's over. It'll be a bit like Kylie Minogue all over again. Because, I mean, there's a limit how many times she can keep flying backwards and forwards. Also, why has she not been stopped by customs? I knew a girlfriend of mine from years ago. And she was flying in to see somebody in this country. She got stopped on the second time. They went, but you've already been in here once before. And she went, yes, I'm just, I'm saying my... Anyway, they kept her in customs for ages. Do you think Meghan Markle has had to, um, to suffer that indignity? The answer is, of course she hasn't. So they go, oh, it's Meghan Markle. Hello, darling, all right? Going to see Harry again? Where are you going? Oh, right, just staying in, lovely. Because apparently they like cooking. How they know this, I've got no idea. There's There's no mention anywhere of them enjoying cooking. I shouldn't imagine Harry could even open a tin of beans, but there you go. When it comes to Donald Trump, though, and let's face it, he is the hot topic. The royal family will apparently let nothing get in the way of a smooth state visit. So when you read about Prince Harry doesn't like Trump and all this kind of thing, just take it with a pinch of salt. They've made no comment on it. They're not allowed to. Harry would be knocked back by his grandmother... And his father going, don't say a word. Don't say a word. You're not supposed to to get involved with politics, OK? Nothing to do with you. But anyway, here she is, a junior member of the firm has deleted her Instagram account after she dared post a controversial remark relating to the new president. A Buckingham Palace spokesman refused to comment yesterday on whether Lady Amelia Windsor, who was crowned the most beautiful royal by society Bible Tatler, nobody's ever heard of her. Nobody knows. she, She just sort of popped up out of nowhere. She's apparently 36th in line. But uh, she had the comment, say it loud, say it clear, refugees are welcome here. Which is lovely, but of course has not got the faintest idea what she's talking about, I shouldn't think. It was posted alongside a picture of three raised clenched fists. And um, next to it she wrote, let the evil in the world be always conquered by the good. Uh, she's with a, no- a, a modelling agency, a member of the royal family, sort of the, the, the distant reaches. And uh, she was signed up last month, refused to comment on the censorship. You see, this is how they get publicity. So now you know who she is. So she was only signed up... Nobody knew who she was before. i have never even heard of her. Lady Amelia Windsor. Who are you, darling? Nobody knows. And so she gets signed up by an agency. How do we get publicity? How do we get publicity? Right. Put this thing on your Instagram account. You know, refugees, welcome here, blah, blah, blah. And then delete it. And that way you'll make all the newspapers and they'll all put you in there. And that's exactly what they've done. Exactly what, so now all of a sudden she's got a bit of a profile. She's posing with a, with a pussycat, which is all very sweet. But uh, her, her grandfather is the Duke of Kent, the Queen's first cousin. That's how distantly removed she is. Uh, they posted the message. Uh, anyway, the royals traditionally refrain from political statements, but Lady Amelia, 21, uh, told a magazine she intended to make her Instagram account public. I love that we can share all the beautiful and meaningful things we see and hear in the world. Oh, God, she's another doolally one. They do all put this stuff down. there. But anyway, it's been, it's been taken away. But it will raise questions about whether Prince Harry's girlfriend, Meghan Markle, will be allowed to continue her active social media presence if the couple become engaged. No danger of that anytime soon, I don't think. Because, I mean, this poor girl, poor old Meghan, she's got to, fly, you know, fly in and fly out all the time. He doesn't make any effort at all. He probably goes, oh, I've got to go shake some hands today, babe. What do you think he calls her? I know she's wearing one of his bracelets. Although, funnily enough, in the picture I saw the other day, uh, there was no... Um, there was no bracelet in her hand at all. Perhaps she only sort of puts it on when they're, when they're sort of privately at home. Because I don't actually see it uh, on display. Which is a bit of a shame, isn't it? Because I like to know these things. I like to know, you know, exactly, you know, where, where people's relationship stands. I mean, the reason is that if they're going to sort of milk it for all they can, then I want to know more about it. So Harry Hand Megan... And so here is the picture of them leaving a place. She's uh, about half his size, so she's another Polly Pocket. And they go, doting Prince Harry. So he's going out on the town, bearing in mind it's very mild weather. He's wearing a tea cosy on his head. How old is he? What is he, 12 or something? No, he's 36. And they say they're showing that the romance is serious. What, because they're holding hands? Why why would that signify it? Apparently the TV star lover has moved in with him... um, A posh bar bought them together, Soho House. You know, so is he a member? Well, they free membership, or they just go. Harry's at the front door. He's not a member. Um, Who's he with? Meghan Markle. Get him in. Get him in. Get him in. So in they go, and uh, and then they had. uh, You know, membership they say can cost more than fifteen hundred pound a year. So in other words, it's cheap. It's very cheap for a top London club. Fifteen hundred quid a year. (laughs) God. That's almost scraping the barrel. 1,500 quid. Very, very cheap. So a picture of Harry wearing this beanie hat. He looks ridiculous. And a shirt that doesn't seem to fit properly. A jacket that's seen better days. And she's sort of... She happens to be his girlfriend. They're happy to be out in public. They were happy to be out in public when they bought the Christmas tree. They're happy... Why can't they show it on their faces? Is Harry wearing that because his, because his hair's gone to pieces? Is it is it because it's falling out? I mean, you know... Will they get engaged? I'd be very surprised. Very sur- Mind you, Kylie Minogue got engaged, didn't she? So, you know, which is lovely. Steve Allen on LBC. We were talking about uh, rip-off online prices, and you'll never believe this, because poor old Ed Sheeran's fans are really upset at the moment. You might be one of them, because what they've done, I'm, I'm convinced it's the same for Bross, but there you go, we'll, we'll wait and see nearer the time, uh, is that the touts of um, Hijacked... The, uh, the ticketing thing. They bought loads of tickets and they put them up on the website at inflated prices. So there's one here, Ed Sheeran. Uh, they're selling tickets here which were priced at £70-odd, £1,025. However, top of the markups, um I mean, England versus France, an £80 ticket is on, I think it's Via Gogo, uh, for £1,200. Wait a minute, this this gets much, much worse. Justin Bieber, a £150 ticket from a website called Get Me In is £1,759. It gets worse. Wait a minute. Harry Potter, six what Harry Potter? Oh, the stage play. Sixty-five pounds. Via Gogo, £4,999. It gets worse. Does not get any better. Radiohead on via Gogo. A £65 ticket, £6,000, but it's worse. Top of the list, Adele, on Get Me In, an £85 face value ticket is on sale for £24,840. Well, you'd have to be the biggest fool under the sun to actually go for something like that. But that's what they do, because it's, it's like buying a ticket for the final at Wimbledon. You know, people sell tickets, even though they try desperately to make sure that members don't, don't sell their ticket. They do, because somebody says, listen, uh, I'll give you £20,000 for a pair of tickets for the men's final for the last thing. And they go, yeah, good. And they can then sell them for 30000 Because if you're really rich, you know, if you're a lottery winner, why would you worry about 20000 quid If you want to go somewhere, that says you've got the money, you're the idiot who is prepared to pay that, uh, that kind of thing. So the the timeline of shame was uh, for Ed Sheeran fans. 10.30, Tuesday, 31st, after a pre-sale on primary sites with tickets from 45 to 75. Just minutes later, dozens were on sale on Via Gogo and StubHub for £800. not waste any time at all. Thursday, Feb the 2nd, five minutes before general release, out of the 1,300 tickets listed on Via Gogo, 12 were for a newly added show on the 3rd of May. However, no tickets have been put on sale for that at all. Now, whether or not there is going to be a show then, I don't know. 10 a.m., uh, general sale tickets go for between 40 and 75. 10.05, tickets for all three of his London dates, sold out on all primary platforms. At 11.30, approximately 2,500 tickets go on sale. The price of a ticket goes from 150 to 1,000 quid. It's rip-off time, isn't it? It's rip-off time. And uh, all you have to do is just vote with, uh, with your fingers. In other words, don't buy them. Don't buy them, because that that way you know you'll be a be a much better person. You were so right, Steve. The circus concert by Take That was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I tried for Ed Sheeran with no luck. I now know how people felt trying to get tickets for your show at uh, at the Queen's Theatre. Says Jan. Yes, we. I mean, obviously not on the same scale as the uh, as the circus concert by Take That. Somebody says Bross... Bruce, Bruce. Bruce. Bros will not want to spend lots of money, Steve, on a sage spectacle if the ticket sales are too low to justify. Well, it doesn't come down to them, does it? It comes down to the promoter. It comes down to the promoter and how much they're willing to spend on a, a show and how much profit they're hoping to see, because they've sold the tickets. So, in other words, they've got the money. You know, I mean, the tickets have been sold. Whether they're filled by people remains to be seen. But they, they just have to do some. I mean, nothing will ever top Jan the circus concert, I don't think we've ever seen anything like it. I mean, we saw Pink Floyd's The Wall. Uh, we've seen... Uh, what was the other one as well? Uh, ELO did their thing where they had a huge spaceship that rose up. U2 had a 360-degree thing. What was the other one that they did, which was... Um, oh, it wasn't ELO. It was uh, another big one. They had loads of big people doing it as well. They were doing the voice. da 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 There's a million to one, she said... Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds. <laughs> I knew I'd get their revenge. I thought if I sing the songs I might actually have some, some chance, you know. And that was another one full of robots and, and things like that. And so that's that's what we're looking for. But Bros aren't famous for anything, apart from just being two boys from Chertsey, who sort of sold a lot of albums but ended up with no money. Because they spent it. Uh somebody's talking about the uh the Bros tickets. Paul Sales, says Pablo, I owe them nothing. Nothing at all. Yes. But that's what I'm I'm going to be interested in that. I'm not going to tell you that I bought a ticket because then you'll you'll accuse me of being a hypocrite. You know, if I said I'd got front row seat to go, yeah, Matt, 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 Steve Allen, Steve Allen. That'll put him off the concert. Steve Allen? (laughs) You can imagine, can't you? Those are all the highlights I've got time for this morning. Don't forget, I'm back live from five o'clock tomorrow morning and we'll be with you for the 4am spike all next week too.